And welcome to Women's Star, Dublin Lesbian Line's new podcast created to showcase the stories within the LGBTQAI community, specifically the stories of Women's Star, which includes queer, non-binary and transgender people. We want you to feel included whatever way you present yourself to the world. So if you have a story you want to tell, get in touch with us at www.dublinlesbianline.ie. Today's guest is journalist and TV presenter Zainab Bolladale. We spoke to Zainab about representation of people of colour in the media, racism in Ireland and how she deals with online harassment. But first, she began by telling us what it was like to grow up queer in County Clare. So, growing up in Ennis, I don't think I knew of anybody that was out as such. Um, or like maybe I was just too young to know of anybody, but I think the first time I realized that my sexual my, my sexuality was not straight, did not fit in this you know straight you know like guys only category mm-hmm. was around like I think thirteen, and I think that definitely was influenced. The realization was definitely influenced by like Tumblr and like seeing queer characters on TV. Um, such as the L word or sugar rush or oh yeah like, sugar rush. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff actually <laughs> yeah. around that time that I was like oh my god this is like interesting, um, <laughs> so interesting so yeah so um and then I think I came out not like in a very non official way at thirteen in secondary school wow. and I think that was definitely aided by the fact that there was another girl in that class who definitely had queer tendencies and we used to like say things like oh my god we're girlfriends you know that kind of <laughs> stuff together but like yeah it was like there was a it was like yeah we were saying that for laugh but also it was like mm? <laughs> it was like are we or not what's the story here and then actually very interestingly all my life I've just kind of managed to find the gay people in wherever whichever spaces I'm in yeah um so there was that girl and then there was another girl who also like people used to make fun of her and say like you know oh my god she's a dyke and all that kind of stuff and she used to like fight a lot and um I think actually she's out now <laughs> but like I think she was so like she was so bullied by it that she would never she would never ever say you know back then that she whatever um but definitely we all all three of us used to hang out all the time and it's so funny because on my Facebook I was like sometimes I go back on my old old Facebook on my (laughs) Facebook like (laughs) there's a picture of me and she's like I'm like holding one of them like this and the other one like this (laughs) on both arms and it's like "Mm." Clearly, there was a lot of emotions going on there and whatever <laughs> the was signs happening were there. there. Yeah. Honestly, the signs were there. Um, so coming out, like, I think people just was like, you know, Zainab's back, you know, she's like a bit cuckoo. That's why she's out as, you know, because I'm quite an open person in general. Like, okay. I don't hide stuff about myself. Yeah. Um, so that was like 13. And um, it's funny because at home, I think I've had several coming outs. So when I was 13, I had the genius idea of creating a like collaborative YouTube LGBT page. That does sound people, genius, though. No, no, with people I met from Tumblr. <laughs> um, so like, it's so funny because um, I was around 15 and there was like five of us and like one of them was from Canada and the other one was from UK and another one was from America. And we all thought it was so cool. And we all uploaded our first videos about, you know, so it was like what the idea was like... Um, everybody would be like I was the B at the time and then someone was oh. the L and someone was the G and someone was the T yeah. you know and all that kind of stuff so that was the idea that we'd all like represent and we'd all have a day of the week to post stuff like that was so that's we, really coordinated we only, I think it's just like that's just how my mind that sounds real <laughs> don't talk to strangers brilliant. on the internet unless okay. you know <laughs> but unless, that unless that you have too. a great idea like that. 
So we all had uploaded like our first video and then I was like, you know, editing whatever on the computer. This was at 15. And then um, I think my mo- I had left it on the family computer and I think my mom would come in and be like, what is this? You know, what is bisexual? Because she didn't know what that oh, was. Yeah. And I was like, so then I deleted the channel. <laughs> Altogether? Altogether. And I was like, here guys, I can't do this. If you want to do this by yourself, you can. Because I just panicked because mm. I was like, because I don't know the way she had said it. I felt like I was doing something terrible, you know? So, and did she see your video? Yeah, she watched the video ah. and she just didn't know what I was talking about, you know? And then just the way she said it, I was like, you know, <laughs> freaked out completely, even though I was like so excited about it and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, for some reason, I thought even though I was uploading it to YouTube, no one would ever watch Like, like... I get you. People wouldn't watch it. Yes. Even though that's the whole point of yeah, YouTube. Yeah, So for me, the fact that like... <laughs> stupidly I left it on the family computer because mm-hmm. I was editing on the family computer it just didn't connect to me at the time that yeah maybe other people are using this computer <laughs> you know? maybe when you put stuff in documents it'll be an open share someone else you know yeah. <laughs> so anyway I just freaked out and deleted it all and she was like who are these people you're talking to I don't know these people they don't look like they're from Ennis obviously because you know how many people in Ennis have bright blue hair you know <laughs> like when you go to rural Ireland the blue hair is not a is not like not the blue hair is not a thing in rural Ireland, but you just... I like, know what you mean. Yeah, you know, the gays always have colourful hair. That's <laughs> yeah. essentially what I mean. Yeah. It's like a signpost for, it like, is. I may be queer, yeah. you know? Yeah. So she saw, like, a bunch of people with colourful hair, and I had colourful hair at the time as well. I used to have this, like, these braids that were, like, on the packet, they said galaxy. Oh. <laughs> so it had, like, hints of blue and red and purple. So, you know, I was also signposting myself, basically. Yeah. Going uh, the full rainbow. Like. Absolutely. Like just little hints. I yeah. thought I was so cool. Little hints. <laughs> so cool. You actually do sound really cool, though. <laughs> like way cooler than I was. So not at all. So and then at um, and then um, I moved to an all-girls school at sixteen, and then there I had my first girlfriend, and then I was like, huh, oh, interesting. Like maybe I was like, I don't know. I think that that kind of cemented the fact that yes, I am mm-hmm. like queer. Um and. Being in an all-girls school, I don't know if everybody else has had this experience, but if you were accused of being gay in an all-girls school, it was like the worst thing ever. Oh, wow. It was like the worst thing ever. So like, we never were like, we never were like, you know, yeah, we're the signpost lesbians in the all-girls school. And there were other girls who definitely were queer too. Of course. But they, and we, but we knew that some of them were, you know, yeah, were you doing knew. stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you'd never signpost it. Like, you know, this person is also, you know, mm-hmm. but like everybody knew, but they didn't know if that makes sense. Nobody talked you. about it, but it was like obvious, you know, yes, like, and yeah. we weren't changing our facebook statuses but like <laughs> yeah. we had like you know you know what i mean i, I definitely know like, there's mean. so many times you can go on after school like dates <laughs> that are just friends meeting up you know yeah so it was quite evident <laughs> and then uh, me and that partner had like well we didn't move together because we were just going to college so like yeah we ended up both in dublin and it was at the end of that relationship um when i went to pink training and we, I was in, so the I went to pink, the first pink train I went to, I had gone to the bisexual um, safe space. Oh, yeah. And then, it's so funny, the second pink train in, I went to the lesbian safe space. Not because I thought I was lesbian, I was just curious, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go and see what they talk about, because I've already been to the bisexual safe space. <laughs> and then it was so funny, because I was in a room full of women, and I was like, and they were all talking about, you know, being lesbians and whatever, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like wait a minute. I was like, I think that's more me. (laughs) 
and it was like and it was so funny because my friend hannah yeah. she was so offended that i didn't come to the bisexual safe space with her she was like you just don't want to hang out with me i was like no i'm just curious what they're talking about she's like you know what they're gonna talk about lesbian stuff i was like it's like i just i've been to the bisexual space space before mm-hmm. so i know what this what what it is you know yeah. i, like, I just want to hear what they have to say and then when i came out of that workshop the safe space the lesbian safe space and i turned around to my friends and i goes i think i might be a lesbian and they're like that actually makes a lot of sense. Oh, and I was like, why? <laughs> what do you mean that makes a lot of sense? And then they were like, all your male crushes look like girls. <laughs> and I was like, then it was like, I was just thinking back to everyone. I was like, oh my days. <laughs> all of my male crushes are very, 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 very feminine. And it was like, and then I realized, oh, like I've been living a lie. I thought I was out. I thought I did the whole thing already, but no, it was, it was so funny. Um, so that was like my stages of being out, yeah. essentially. And how were you when you realized you were a lesbian? I, I was like, I don't really know. I first I sent my Tinder to girls only, mm-hmm. and it made the world of difference <laughs> because like <laughs> the n- random messages you get from guys, like having that filtered out, mm-hmm. just was like a whole new clarity of a dating mm-hmm. landscape. Um, so. That was like, and then it's so funny because like, and then coming out to my mom who's Nigerian and very yeah. traditionally like, if you're queer in Nigeria, you just keep that to yourself. Yeah. Marry a man and hope, you know, no one mm-hmm. ever finds out. Like, obviously there are gay people existing in Nigeria, but you just do the traditional straight marriage, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And whatever you want to do on the side, nobody wants to talk about it as long as you socially are straight. Yes. You yeah. know, and it's so funny because at the moment I'm, I'm the first I've ever seen um is a lesbian YouTuber, Mara the Lesbian. She's absolutely amazing and she lives openly as you know her and her partner live openly in Nigeria which is a wow. country where it's criminalized at yes, the moment yeah. um, like 14 years in jail just for being yes. out and gay but she was saying in her videos which I watched like religiously she was saying that if you have money to sustain yourself nobody will nobody will um, interfere with you mm. it's when you're in need of other people like she runs like an egg farm okay. her partner works in I think tech or something like that okay. and she does like photography and videography mm-hmm. so if you can sustain yourself where you are not dependent on anybody including men especially men you are fine and you are left alone because people don't oh, want to piss you off because you're like you have enough money to defend yourself Yes. Yeah. whereas if you unfortunately are reliant on someone else mm-hmm. that's where the complications come for you as a queer person like if you're reliant on your parents because traditionally Nigerian women wouldn't move out of their family home so why would you be coming out if you're still reliant on your parents you know yeah. even if you're working you don't move out until marriage to a man Yes. so you're in a way psychologically you're reliant on people mm. so and then I was thinking that in reference to myself and it's like you know because I'm out and like in the Nigerian community like I wouldn't be like oh look at me you know because I know socially and mentally it's not acceptable yes. yeah. but like I'm quite open and out if someone was to ask me I'd be like yeah but I don't go you know screaming it from the rooftop simply because I know there's existing like existing cultural negativities that not attached to queer people mm-hmm. which unfortunately is is very 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 strong mm-hmm. like queer people are demonized essentially yeah. which a lot of it comes from like religion i wouldn't even say it comes from culture i think it comes from religion because it's like um it's like you're not gonna get it into heaven if like that's mm-hmm. not that's against whatever religious yeah book you follow because nigeria is um split between islam and christianity uh, yeah. so it's not even about what religion it's about it's not right it's a sin you know mm-hmm. that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to mm-hmm. so it's funny because i feel like i've had a multitude of being out you know yes and it's funny because i will hear things from um the nigerian community like you know i think Zainab here. Is- here here yeah yeah i would hear things being like you know 
I think she's gay or like whatever, whatever. And I like, you know, I'm like, I'm not here to prove anything to you. It's mm-hmm. quite obvious. Like there was a rainbow flag on my page for about two years. So yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Like it's yeah. there. And it's so funny. Even people be like, did you know Zainab was gay? And I'm like, I literally wear a rainbow bracelet, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like very interesting because it's like never been something I've like hiding or anything like that. Um, but I guess people aren't expecting it because no, it's because, so culturally. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, like, I think for them, it's like if Zain, if like, for me to be also, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, they mm-hmm. just don't expect it or yeah. believe it. Or they think it's like, oh, it's just a rumor. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's very interesting to see the narrative on different. So I can, I can like, for me, coming out is like, it's in different social groups. Because mm-hmm. I came out with friends. Then I had my new coming out in college. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, like, the coming out, like, to my mom, which still is not really, like, is still a bit murky. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm out to her, but she's like, nah. It's a, it's a phase. I was going to ask you if that's okay. It's yeah, like, how is your mum? It's like, it's a phase, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love her to bits and all that kind of stuff. And is she like, okay with the phase? Or is she just patiently it's waiting? It's more so let's not discuss the phase. Okay, and yeah. when the phase is gone, we're just going to pretend When you get a nice husband, we'll just... Absolutely, yeah. you know? And it's yeah. so funny. she would be like, oh, I have a husband. I have a guy who'd make husband material. And I'm like, interesting. Can <laughs> yes. we move on? What's I hope he will be a great husband for someone. Right? Yes. Like, for someone, girl, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it's very interesting because it's like, for me, it's like, I can understand, like, the struggles that queer people who aren't, like, who aren't accepted socially mm. like my partner is bulgarian and she would also have similar stories you know yeah of coming out in eastern europe like yes you know bulgaria yeah um where it's like while there are queer people actively living and open it's like still like not socially acceptable to be and like she'd be like there's only one lesbian person i wouldn't even go there <laughs> and i'm like girl she's like no you just you wouldn't go there because like you know that's not where the good lesbians are <laughs> it's like the good lesbians are quiet about it <laughs> Like, girl. <laughs> that really says so much you know so it says about, a lot you know yeah. what i mean so it's very interesting mm. um and it, i was it was it difficult for you trying to balance you know the growing up in ireland coming out going to things like pink training yeah. and then the you're like the nigerian culture that you grow up with or feel a part of or are um, a part of i don't know I how you consider it's like i think it was incredible it was incredibly difficult because i felt like in some like friend groups I felt like I could only be friends with people if I didn't bring that up mm. you know what I mean mm. and I love my culture I love being Nigerian yeah like I absolutely love it and I would never give it up yeah you know? um as, but I felt like in my Nigerian circles like that was not to be brought up at all mm-hmm. and even now there's some friends where it's only now that I think it's to some friends I'd bring it up but I mm. could feel like there's a it kind of quietens in the room and it's like so anyway yeah. <laughs> we're talking about this guy crush I had you know like and I'm like oh, yeah. okay well clearly my conversation starter is not yeah what we're okay looking, that's still know. not where we're going yeah. yeah so it's interesting because then I felt like back when I was in college I felt like it was only within my Irish friend groups that I could mm. be that side I could talk about that side you know talking about dating things that young people yes. want to talk about you know yes. um so it just felt like there was a occasional mismatch but it's only in recent times that I've started to meet other black Nigerians who are like quite like yeah rainbow flags and all out there you know what I mean and it's funny because that change has only happened in the last three years for me so it's mad that like in the last three years like those people uh, they, they were there but they were also in their head thinking I can't talk about this. Mm-hmm. I can only talk about this in my Irish friend groups. And, you know, from... Uh, even I can see the massive increase in, yeah. in visibility. And, but I know that people have said before to me that they um, 
because it's so ingrained in people that there's no such thing as gay in Nigeria yeah. that they were like well I'm the only one then you know, I genuinely well, I genuinely they, thought that I was the only out person in Ireland yeah so, <laughs> I genuinely thought I can like, understand nah. why you'd yeah. I was like they're, the out people are probably married yes yeah or in London <laughs> or in, right or in London because I'm like where are all these cool gay people in the states and yeah. in London that are also with African roots I, I like, know like yeah. what like it's like the fact that like I think is it uh, UK Black Pride has been existing for 15 years wow. I think is that, is that the, uh, their official name yeah 15 years and I was like what What? wow you know it's interesting in comparison to here yeah when... a year yes yeah um Wow, and what do you think about um, Black Pride being here and the? I think it is so needed, because like I mean, even there was only recently, and I don't think it, I don't know if it was circulating in the in the Irish community, but in the mm-hmm. Irish Nigerian community, mm-hmm. there was a video of a young boy whose mother was um, like very verbally abusive towards him and it came to find out later that it's because he is still trying to figure out his sexuality Uh, so at first people just thought it was just she was just a very abusive mother mm -hmm. um and like i don't know i think it was my sister said to me that the reason that you know his mother was like fighting him constantly in the Mm. house because he was like he said like my mother and my brother and my dad hates me and i was like that's very strange thing for a 17 year old to say and then my sister told me a few weeks later it's because he's not sure about his sexuality he's not sure where he stands and it's like i was saying to my sister i was like it's actually really really good that like we have at least something like Black Pirate Island to show that, you know, you are not alone. There's probably others experiencing what you're experiencing right now. And I think that's something people forget. I think it's different when you are, and I know everybody has struggles with coming out, but when Mm -hmm. you are from a culture, regardless of what country you live in, when you're from a culture that doesn't acknowledge LGBT people, it's like doubly harder Mm -hmm. because you're like, but my other gay friend gets to have this experience, whereas this is my experience at home. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know you can still be white Irish and get kicked out of your home for being gay, but you're twice as likely, yeah, if not like an umpteenth amount of mm-hmm. times to have struggles at home because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really heartbreaking for me because it's like, I've like, in my, I know I've experienced that in the past a different capacity. Mm-hmm. And it's like heartbreaking that that still happens to other people because I know psychologically it had a lot of impact on me. Yes, And it's like, it just it breaks my heart to see that being still the case and i know it's hard to like just be like oh i wish everybody was you know having the under the rainbow you know all that yeah. kind of stuff but it's just very very hard mm-hmm. yeah you're right i agree it's so important like you said for so people can know about struggles that other people mm-hmm. are having but also for a sign of hope i think yeah. as well um like when we were talking in preparation for this and you mentioned that you know um it's important to see the positive things yeah. that people can live and be happy and if you choose yeah. to to get married and you know that you can have friends and you can be out mm-hmm. that it's not only um um that you don't have to be yet yeah, keep it in all the time that they're yeah. like but also to acknowledge the very very real and probably ongoing then mm-hmm. difficulties of coming out and being out and yeah. I guess sometimes it's about building the resilience in people that you will face this and this is how to how like that there is a like a, a black pride community yeah and you'll have a community ready, ready to welcome you instead yeah. of like you're fighting this on your own yeah yeah and I think it's so important because I know like and I'm not even spoke about the Nigerian community I know there was like when black pride Ireland was set up mm. um, I know there was a lot of like backlash against them like why do you need this section aren't we all under the same rainbow and all mm. that kind of stuff but I was like it's hard for someone who's never experienced what black queer people experience to say that this is not necessary you know yeah. you can't say that because you don't know the underlying underlying reasons why it's needed even if it's mm-hmm. like if they don't do anything at all just being ex- existing mm-hmm. is enough for some people 
you know what i mean and that's how i think about it it's not about what like you know having three different prides or Mm -hmm. points it's about just existing it gives someone a mental home yes and i think that's so important i think the more safe spaces we have for people the better i don't see how anyone else having a safe space will threaten me yeah Uh, i i I really i don't i really don't don't get that like we've had you know trans guests on the the podcast you know they get a lot of hate sometimes not always um and then people saying you know about not having you know trans faces and trans women but you know it's okay for somebody to have their own space and also then be part of the wider community it's like you know there's bi spaces there's trans spaces there can be black queer spaces there can be all those things are great anything that increases safety and security for yeah. our people our yeah. family I think is a positive like, thing it's just like know? in the trans community there are experiences that are unique to trans people yeah it's the same way in the black queer community there are experiences that are unique to black queer people exactly and that's regardless of whether you're Nigerian Angolan Ethiopian it's yeah. like so many unfortunately African countries they do criminalize mm-hmm. homosexuality and it's important that you know even if you are accepted in your family you still feel that you know absolutely because like when i went to nigeria two years ago i was like i better take off that rainbow flag yeah just in case yeah and i was like i was with my mom and it wasn't like anybody mm-hmm. was gonna grab me off the street and be like you're you know yeah but it was like that mental fear i was like okay i need to like make sure that there's nothing about me that says that i am this just mm-hmm. to be safe because you already yeah. know that it's taking potential. off those signposts those signifiers exactly. yeah exactly. definitely yeah um and oh yeah what you said about um communities and i think especially it's important now because there are so many people growing up here who would have parents that are still um that have have come directly from countries that are still very deeply embedded in those mm-hmm. um those norms and expectations and then um kind of a lot of the first generations of people that have grown up here in that kind of um like you said that mismatch or that duality of growing up Irish and also growing up um Nigerian or you said and like other countries that criminalized yeah. um criminalize our identities anyway and then kind of yeah trying to trying to figure all that out so I mm-hmm. think it's particularly important it'll always be important but particularly now when there's mm-hmm. so much to still be figured out yeah and so much in Ireland to still be figured out mm-hmm. about you know cultures and acceptance and and creating spaces for people and, and opening dialogue as well it's yeah. I think more that visibility is more important than ever and not only for people who personally experience it um for people who don't understand that there needs to be yeah. spaces but also for people who might have those prejudices to start uh, seeing yeah. and getting some vis- visibility and start normalizing because yeah. if you never see something then it's it's easier to keep on oh this is wrong this is bad yeah. whereas once kind of all around you and it's normalized you could uh, sometimes it can help to bring people along yeah um like i know a lot of people who have you know grown up here with parents um that are from countries that are where it's illegal to be gay and then they come out and the parents are sure it's like a you you got this from ireland it's a western thing you know what this is i've heard that before yeah (coughs) it's like it's like yeah exactly that i've heard that like don't take those traits like this is a this is a EU thing yeah oh EU like, nice it's like interesting <laughs> I didn't realise the EU was, had a gay agenda you know? yeah. Um, it's like you know, and, yeah and this is not just me I know like even like I have a friend who's Polish who was like you know who who was saying to me because you know what's happening in Poland at oh. the moment. we were having that discussion and she was like saying that her family were like yeah but like and she's gay herself and she was saying that her family were like you know this is, we're not talking about your kind of gay we're talking about that kind of gay you know the Polish kind of gay it's wrong and she was like because she, I think she was born here, oh, okay. and then she was like, "How is it? How is my type of gay different to the Polish yeah. kind of gay? You know, because because they again they see 
queerness in a different light because yes. it's in Poland. Yes. But if it's in Ireland, it's like, that's the okay game. It's part of how they are, yeah. these kids. You so know? it's very interesting. It's like, yeah. that's why I think some Nigerians genuinely believe that gay people don't exist or they're influenced by Western culture. Yeah. And it's funny because um, one of our influencers, our big influencers is um, a person called Bob Risky. Okay. And they're an openly trans woman. Oh, okay. oh I'm, they call themselves uncle and auntie. So I don't know what their pronouns are. Yeah. Um, they're, but they're an openly trans person and um, they are loaded. And they have like, I think, two million followers. I think so. Wow. But because they are loaded and can afford anything, like nobody questions them. And it's like the Nigerian police stopped their birthday party because they were like, you can't, you know, show your gayness openly. But it's like they're clearly living quite large and open and people always like are constantly commenting in the sections like being oh, like wow. oh show us xyz you know yeah and it's like but there's two million nigerians following this person so i mean do you hate gay people or not you yeah know? yes and so okay so you mentioned this already that um that you see in the last kind of three years there's been you've seen more um nigerian queer people so how do you feel about black queer representation in ireland at the moment and then even versus how to how you came out yeah well first of all i think it's so 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 important because i mean when i was growing up there was i'm sure there was but there was none that i knew of Mm -hmm. and even going to stuff like pink training i think i was the only black person there yeah wow i think so and it's so interesting because one of my memories, and I didn't realize that this was something I did. So when I was in DC, I took part in the DC Drag Race, and cool. um, there was another competitor, Viola Gavis, and they Great said name. to me recently, and this this absolutely shook me. And I and I'm not even trying to make myself sound big or anything like that, but it was just when they said this, I was like, oh my god! They said that I was the first person to give them makeup to do drag. Oh. And I was like, wait, what? That happened? They were like, yeah, you gave me your makeup because black makeup, first yes. of all, because everyone else was yes. white. And they're like, you gave me makeup to do my drag face. And I was like, that's mad. And it's like, it's essentially the point I'm trying to make there is like having queer black people who are open yes. makes you feel comfortable to go to them yes. to say, this is what I'm going through. How have you moved past this? How yes. have you done this? How have you, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's funny because I have a friend, now a friend that um, when I was working um and it was like in a hr company and um she she just she was so cool she was like the manager hr manager and i overheard her saying she's a black by the way um i overheard her saying oh i'm getting married to my fiance soon and then i heard like she and i was like <gasps> you know i was like oh my god she's getting married and she's black <laughs> to a woman i was like and you know me typing away like you know but i'm also like my ear yeah. over. Yeah. and you know she's showing the ring and stuff like that and i'm like <laughs> you know and um and it's so funny because i then i went on to instagram and i stalked the hell out of her and i was like and her partner's irish and i was like and her, there's a picture with her and her partner and her parents i was like the whole thing i was like oh my god it's possible um and it's so funny because several years later we've become friends now and i told her like you know i used to be like she's so cool because she's a queer person Mm -hmm. who's you know married and she has the entire fantasy and her parents were at her wedding and you know they go out for family brunches i was like you are living the dream yeah Um, (laughs) and she was saying to me and then she explained to me that you know it wasn't always so easy like Mm. she too Mm -hmm. had that like fight like that cultural fight you know Mm -hmm. and that clash of like you know this is who i am versus this is who you want me to be yeah and she said and she was saying to me her fiance is also very much like you know 
she's not having anyone disrespect them yes. you know yeah and she's very like her fiance is kind of like a take no nonsense kind of kind of person yeah. which she said helped her a lot in yeah certifying that this is the person i want to marry you're either on board or mm-hmm. you're off board it's happening regardless yes and yeah. it was like hearing her story was like oh my god like that's just like that's how i feel about things like yes. that's how i feel about sexuality who i am like i will mm-hmm. never not be who i am because someone else has a problem with it mm-hmm. and that comes down to anybody regardless of how close you are to me and it was like and i know that that's easy for me to say because i i would consider myself a confident person but not everybody is confidence mm-hmm. confident and not everybody has that self-assurance and that kind of like i will i demand respect not because i like I, I just need respect but because mm-hmm. like I am a human being and mm-hmm. just because I choose to be a certain way or not choose but you know just because I am a certain way mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I should be looked down on you know and I think that's so important and I think that young queer people especially young black queer people like need to be encouraged to feel that way about themselves because so often you're getting told you know you're not this you're not that you're not enough you're not you know you can't you shouldn't you won't you won't you know mm-hmm. and it's like even like um i know some queer black people i was i was listening to something recently and someone said that she felt like if she came out as gay as well mm-hmm. like i mean you can't hide black but you can hide gay <laughs> you know she said if she thought she said she yeah. thought that if she came out as gay as well in her company they would just think she was trying to tick all the boxes and that she was just like, I don't even know how she said it, but the way she said it. And I was like, girl, I could, I get where you're coming from. Wow. Because she was like, she's like, she felt like, yeah, I can't hide being black. Like I'm a black woman in this, you know, tech company, yeah. but I can control how people view me as a gay person, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, that's very interesting. Like she feels forced that she has to hide that. So she's not too big. Wow. She's not too present. She's not too, you know. Wow. It's very interesting. Yeah. Don't take up too much space. Exactly. Um. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you actually, you do exude a confidence. It's mm-hmm. it's very um, uh, uh, amazing to be around. Um, it makes me sit up straighter. It, it, no, it's fantastic. Where did you get that? Um, How did you develop that? Jeez Louise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too big a question? Um, I don't, I don't even know how to, ex- I, I don't know how to explain it. I think it's just, I think it definitely comes from being like, it, metaphorically beaten down so much. And I, mm-hmm. I I think that's where it comes from because it's like I'm not like this extroverted person or I'm not like, you know, I've never had like so many friends or being cool mm-hmm. or anything like that. And like, it's so funny growing up, most of my friends were on the Internet and I know that is so sad, but uh, no. most of my friends I made from Tumblr, you know, yeah. um, or like people I met on YouTube, which is so like, don't talk to strangers, but I did. <laughs> That's such a teenage queer thing to do, though. I totally did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, like, because I felt like a lot of people around me just, I, I genuinely, genuinely, and I know people say this, I genuinely did not fit in. Mm. So I fit in with people that I met online. Yes. And then I think because the people around me, I felt like they constantly were beating me up and, like, yeah. metaphorically, that I feel like I stuck onto people who were older and, like, doing things that I wanted to do and had exuded the personalities that I wanted. Yeah. And, like, you know, and in some ways, I think that kind of made me feel like, you know what, you can you can do whatever you want. You need to just put your shoulders up mm. and stand straight and, you know, look at people, like, you know, in a way that, like... Sorry, I'm rambling, but I, something I yeah. always say is, like, and I say it to myself, I say people are either in your life for a season or a reason. And I also say, don't ask, demand. You know, don't, like... 
ask for things demand things because you deserve those things you know and it's like i have those little slogans i say to myself like repetitive mantras and i always say like what are you grateful for today zainab or waking up and making sure that you know there's a highlight to my day even if it's going to get bubble tea which i love like and i give myself these things because i think i felt very lonely for so long and i felt very alone in my own world that i kind of i think maybe in, in a deluded way build my own fortress so i felt you know that you know yeah <laughs> uh, no that's beautiful thank you so much um no it i'm is. rambling I can you're not rambling. rambling you're so uh, you know i'm just short of like clapping and <laughs> clicking my finger and mm. like yes <laughs> um oh thank you so much because yeah. it is something that when you meet somebody that is especially um women young mm-hmm. women you know that so often young women are just told like you know you said about your friend like be yeah. quiet stay in your box don't take yeah. up too much space like and so sometimes when you meet somebody mm-hmm. young and confident it's like how how do how do we get to like that yeah. how, you know yeah <laughs> what even is like, it what's the magic thing even like amara the the lady the black nigerian lesbian on youtube she her page is actually amara the lesbian that's actually i'm gonna her look page. her up um <laughs> that's and the page like, i want to be <laughs> she's amazing she's amazing and it's even i love watching her because she exudes the kind of confidence i want you know mm. it's like just to boldly live in a country and she says i love nigeria i want yes. this this is my home yes and she's not gonna stand down for anybody wow even if it's like illegal technically you know mm-hmm. And it's like her talking about her coming out, her family not really talking to her, mm-hmm. you know, you know, she's just, she exudes the kind of confidence that if you can boldly live in a country that decriminalizes your sexuality yeah. and be, do it online as well, yeah. like that's the confidence I'm trying to get to, you know? Well, yes. <laughs> um, so it sounds like having, uh, you know, having people like role models. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that goes back Virtual to, but still real. Well, yeah. I guess as well, because they were, you, there wasn't visibility here for you yeah. um, gr- growing up. So, you know, you have to find them, yeah. uh, find them online, which I think it's why I'm so grateful that you're here today, because <laughs> I picture you being role models to other people that are, are listening and people that are far older than you as well, mm-hmm. um, that are here in Ireland and not out and not able to be out and, and, and wishing, you know, how do I get to that point? Yeah. Um, and also... Yeah, I, yeah, just that why visibility is so important is because yeah. we need things to aspire to. Yeah. I think especially before coming out and when you're figuring yourself out, I think role models and visibility really help self-acceptance and knowing it's okay. And we need to kind of see people that, you know, um, not necessarily even, yeah, but like look like us mm-hmm. or like, you know, mimic our values or, yeah. you know, how we want to be, how we want to come across. Yeah. Like that's really important to help us to, you know, climb. know to yeah. climb. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very important. It's Absolutely. so important. Yeah. So, no, you, you articulated that perfectly. Um, okay, so about... And I'm not sure I did phrase this question because I was like, am I saying this properly? But what ways... You know, so there's been so much movement around the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement, um, which is fantastic, um, devastating. Ireland is, um, I think, you know, a complex country when it comes to um, race and racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I do see more... Uh, interest from people in yeah. wanting to educate themselves ourselves um, I'm white um, so what ways can you would you recommend per, like from your personal experience that people in Ireland can educate ourselves about the Black Lives Matter movement I think at the moment I think as terrible as the reasons for the Black Lives Matter movement you know reawakening you know all yeah. the reasons behind it reawakening as traumatic and terrible as it is I think there's been a knock-on effect of positive um, outcomes from it and by that I mean there's so many there's so many talented um, black young people in Ireland who mm. I think are finally getting the recognition 
they deserve and that goes down to musicians artists creators mm-hmm. you know business owners like even recently like i've started following the irish black owned page which is all about promoting black businesses hair beauty oh, wow. you know skincare everything like that and like um you know i think it's definitely shown what is in ireland and i think a lot of people didn't realize this because again you can only know what's within your own bubble mm-hmm. and i think even just by and i know people like laugh at social media stuff but i think even just by following these pages because there's black and irish which is an instagram yeah. page that does stories about black people in ireland and educates yeah. there's irish black owned which you can even through that you can follow some of the businesses and it's like following those pages and starting to broaden your own bubble and like having like just following essentially black people in Ireland because you'd be very surprised that what's happening in black communities in Ireland might be very different to what's happening in Irish communities in Ireland. Like the conversations may be the same, may be the same but the viewpoints sometimes mm-hmm. are. It's like even sometimes like, you know, I'd be with my black friends and I'll be like, and they tell me something and I'll be like, oh, I didn't know about that. They're like, yeah, because like nobody's covering these things or nobody's yes. talking about these things except for black Irish people. Um, and then I realized like, oh, geez, like I am living in two different worlds sometimes. Yeah. And I, I, I would love to see a future where all of that kind of starts to merge. Mm. And I can see it with my younger sister because, you know, she was born here. And it's so funny because like I'd have more of an Irish accent than my younger sister. But that's because like she just kind of hangs out with everybody. Oh. That, <laughs> do, do you know where I'm coming from? Like yeah. her friend group is just so, so mixed. Which is so great. Like, which yeah. is great. So I can see that up, her, her upcoming friend group, they don't really, they don't really like, to them, it's like, and I think also it's influenced by Disney, if I'm honest. Because, you know, <laughs> all Disney Channel and all the American media, oh, yes. I think their accent is very mish, mish bash boshed. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but like, I would just love to see a future where it's not, you know, the black Irish community or the I- white Irish community. It's mm. just the Irish community, mm-hmm. you know? And I think... I think a lot of um, a lot of publications have done a great job of starting to invite black writers, um, black journalists, because that's important. Because sometimes I think the intention can be great, but the execution sometimes not. Yeah. And I'm not saying just hire black people to write black stories, because I mean I have several interests. Like I like hair, I like of makeup, course. I like you know I don't want to be just the black person that talks about black things. You know I have my interests are wide and. They but range. at the same time, should there be white people writing black stories? And, you know, like, you I know. Would, like, I would prefer if I wrote about braids, you know, because yes. I know about braids, you know yes. what I mean? So I think it's just being aware. I should of... not be writing about braids. I mean, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, you know, as long, like, I don't think, I think the conversations that we're having is really, really, really important now. But I'd hope to see that those conversations grow to things about just like everything in general. Mm-hmm. But it just means forefronting black Irish people in the things we do and I know that black people in Ireland are a minority but that doesn't mean we need to treat black people in Ireland as a minority you know Mm -hmm. because like if I can get on the bus and I see a few black people that means that like we are here enough to be included in industries Mm -hmm. you know healthcare um create music Mm -hmm. you know cinema all that kind of stuff you know it's important it's so 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 important and i think that's one of the biggest things people have realized in the black lives through the black lives matter movement that you know the things that are important to us are important to us because we can relate to some of the experiences of being um of being of being i don't want to say racially profiled because i think that's unique that's unique experience to not unique but that's an experience and totally different in america but i think we can relate to the experience of having racist actions or words thrown at us and Mm -hmm. that's why i think that 
month was so 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 heavy mm. and it was so because you know when you wake up and you see that black people's existence and black people's rights are being discoursed and you're like mm-hmm. well i'm just gonna go back to sleep because the world hates me mm-hmm. you know because that's the message it sends so it's important that we counteract those messages and say like you know we will stand up against racist words in this country. You mm-hmm. are safe in this country, mm-hmm. regardless of where you're from. Like, yeah. human decency and respect is deserved by everyone, you know? Um, I think it's really, 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 really amazing that that is what we're seeing now. Like, when I see white Irish people being the first people to say, what you said is racist. Yes. That brings me joy. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, like, someone like me shouldn't have to be like, this is racist, you know? It's not, uh, yes, you know? it's not only... Like, I right. can, but, like, then it's like, you know, it's, it's like, I want to see that everybody is yeah. able to call out racism when they see it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And just on to something about, like, protecting your mental health, Um, you've already said some really great things about how you kind of built yourself up um, mm-hmm. and built that confidence that's come from kind of being uh, metaphorically bet down all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and when it comes to racism and things like that, you said, you know, people in Ireland, you get um actions and words thrown at you. I think that's a very um eloquent way of describing it. Um, how have you built up um ways to protect your mental health um from those experiences? I think um first thing is I've I kind of made the decision like I'm not gonna argue with anyone online, like just that's my cut off space like if you you can say anything you want well i hope you don't but you know <laughs> you can say what you want but like the block button is my best friend yes because it's like i don't have to listen to things that are directed about me like if you have feedback and criticism mm-hmm. fair but if it's personal mm-hmm. then that is not right because you do not know me so you cannot make a fair conclusion of what you think of me Absolutely. especially if it comes from a place of abuse and a place of hatred and a place of xenophobia and a place of racism um and i think so it's so interesting because when i started um journalism um i was the only black girl in my course i didn't like i mean i knew i kind of expected that that would be the case Mm -hmm. but you know it kind of solidified when i went into media Mm -hmm. and then going to events and being like yep just the the only black girl here too yeah um and thankfully at the time like all my friends in college were gay so it's like you know i felt like you know ah sure look we're all Mm -hmm. the merry marching people of you know so i was like i was used to being in part of a group of people that were different in different ways um so i was like it was fine you know mentally it was fine um, but then I think when I started to actually do proper work within the journalism space, um, and people would take my stuff and not even read the contents of the article, but just content, like put stuff about me. And I'm like, just cause you see my little tiny picture there, you're going to make a decision about mm. me and not what I'm writing about. If you said, I don't like the way she wrote that sentence. I'd be like, cool. But you saying like N word this or mm. like, you know, you just whatever whatever um just felt really like toxic and so i remember like back then like this was not within the company i'm with now this was in the past um i was just kind of like i showed it to my mom and then she was like oh why are people like whatever whatever and then i put it up on facebook and then you know people went and i think they had like reported the page or whatever i don't know um and then the cycle kept continuing, like, you know, kept continuing and continuing whatever I would do. It would always get put on a forum or have comments underneath it, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, this feels kind of personal now. Um, and then it kind of died down. Oh, it died down because I had stopped writing, like, news news and I was writing, like, opinion pieces and stuff okay. like that, which is lighter, you know. So you can't really, you know. Um, and I think there's more news readers in general. So I think that's why it kind of got 
real I got you. Yeah. Um, and then when I started to work on television, again, you can see me now. So it's like you can have more of an opinion of me. And stuff was taken and bish bash bosh together onto a YouTube page that oh. was dedicated to just hating black Irish people. That's like that disgusting. was literally the entire page. That's disgusting. Um, yeah. Um, and there would be comments, whatever. And it's like, I think we're all deeply twisted because we read negative things, even though we know, like I knew mm-hmm. based on the title that it was going to be negative comments, mm-hmm. but still I read the negative comments, you know? And I was like, and I showed my partner and I was like, look, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, oh, that's terrible. You know? And she was thinking about going to comment like, you know, how dare you? And I was like, mm-hmm. it actually is not necessary. You don't need to argue with people. Um, and it was just, it was a repetitive cycle. And I was like, and I had complained about it and then it was taken down, but then it kept going back up and I was like, I'm not going to give this energy. And I think because I knew, like, I think whenever I would see the stuff, I would be like, and I saw stuff that was like about my physical features, I'll be like, well, I know I'm not ugly. So that's clearly a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it was more stuff like her voice is so gracing and it's like, she can't even speak English properly. Like I knew that was also a lie, but it was like, is my voice gracing? Oh, it's like am I? And because I used to talk really, 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 really fast, I was like, am I, "Can I not speak English properly?" Even though I've been speaking English my entire life, but I think it was just like because it was it's more. The, it was just mm. felt more like I don't know because I I speak other languages, so I was like, "Is it like is that what it is? Is that is that coming into things?" And um, it was closer just, to something you could worry about yourself. Exactly, if you... exactly. So I think psychologically, even though I didn't realize it at the time, it was like at the very, very back of my mind, I feel like I have little boxes in my head. So I put it in one of those boxes mm-hmm. in my head. Um, but I think psychologically, it was like the underlying tone was like, you know, there are people who don't like seeing you. Not because, you know, of what you are doing. It's just yeah. they just don't like seeing you because it, you know, or being accused of being like, you know, a diversity hire or being accused of like trying to like of an agenda, like, I don't know, whatever agenda they thought I had. Um, so I think all of that played at the very, very back of my mind that to a point where I think I probably started to think a little bit that, you know, like, am I, am I actually here because of my talent? Even though I knew, I, even though I knew I was hired based on what I did in the audition, not mm-hmm. based on anything else, but even in the back, mm-hmm. you know, the way you just, you second guess yourself. Absolutely. And, um, It undermines you. Yeah. Um, and I think just, I think, and I don't know where any of this came from, but I think it just came to a point where I was like, okay, what can I do to safeguard my mental health? Because I have so much to be worrying about and this can't be one of it. Mm. And if I'm going to be here and do my job and do what I chose to do, I can't Mm -hmm. let people who are online discredit me or make me feel less than or make me feel insecure because that shows mm-hmm. um so things i would do is like if there was a page i would instantly block it um if there were, and i would always like go to like positive things that i enjoy watching like maybe it's a youtuber maybe it's like a really nice film i love sci-fi doctor who oh. so i'd use po- positive like reinforcements or lighting a candle i don't know what it is about lighting candles but just lighting a candle just instantly makes me feel better or like getting bubble tea um i would just try to do things that i was like okay that's not true and we're not going to give that energy so here's what we can do and i think sometimes i think i see online and it makes me really sad people get trapped into debates about themselves Mm. you know and Mm -hmm. it was like i was like if i start to do that then that's going to chip away at me slowly Mm -hmm. and it's like i will not fight with anybody about what they think of me because i know what i think of me and that is what matters the most to me Mm -hmm. and that is what matters the most to how i perform and what I bring and it's like and I think something that also really motivated me is like whenever I used to go into classrooms because you know I was on the children's news program and the, <laughs> the girls would be like 
like staring at me with the eye. You know the way little kids stare at you? The girls be staring at me with their eyes like, I like you, braids. <laughs> you know? Or like the, like, like, you know, the kids of color there would mm. be like, you know, would be like, oh, my mom says this about you. Aww. My mom says that, you know, she thinks you're really cool or Aww. things like that. Or they'd be like, I saw the article about you. And I was like, that was like, this is actually whose opinions matter. Yeah. Not some random people behind their screen. This, the kids, yeah. you know, with their eyes and their little tiny voices, you know. Yeah. And um, like, or they'd ask me questions. They're like, or they say things like, you look different. And I'm like, and I'm like what do you mean different? Different, I'm like, different good. I'm like, different good or different bad? And they're like, just different. <laughs> and I'm like, He's neutral. Okay, cool, thank you. I mean, but that's a compliment, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, those are the opinions that matter. And it's like, if they can see me coming into their classroom as a, in their eyes, and I'm not saying this for myself, in their mm-hmm. eyes as a TV star, yeah. it's like, that's pretty cool because if someone had come into my classroom and like, they had braids like me, yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, who are you? Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that's why I kind of I think that's why I kind of like had a mental resistance. I was like, okay, like this this job is not about me or whatever or some guy mm-hmm. on the internet or some person on the internet. It's generally about the people I'm going out to meet every day. And by going into people's homes, which is what I do now, I'm not going into schools, I'm going to mm-hmm. people's homes and into people's communities and they see me and they ask their questions and they're like, you know, yeah, XYZ and everyone's usually very nice in general when people meet me and they're mm-hmm. like and people are genuinely curious. I think people sometimes are genuinely genuinely curious because their bubbles sometimes have well not sometimes, but the majority of people's bubbles who are of a certain age are white and Irish, which mm-hmm. is fair, you know. And sometimes I think they genuinely have questions and never have the questions been out of like a place of disrespect. It's generally like the questions I get asked the most is about my hair. You know, it's stuff like that. And I'm yeah. always ready to answer that, you know. Uh, do you mind people asking you questions? I don't mind. Just don't touch. Okay. <laughs> I just don't mind. Yeah, just don't yeah, touch. Yeah. But I don't mind. Like, I'll talk about my hair for hours. Okay. Like, you know, so. Because it's a genuine curiosity yes. rather than a And I know when people are genuine curiosity. Okay. And I also know when people are just trying to be cheeky. Okay. So if you're yeah. trying to be cheeky, I'll probably give you a backhanded answer. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, but if you're genuinely curious, oh, I will sit, have coffee with you <laughs> and talk for days. That's not a problem, you know. Yeah. And I think that, like, I think a lot of people, a lot of black Irish people are now coming into the media sphere. And I think that's something they need to take on. Just the attitude of you do not mm. need to, like, validate yourself in anybody else's eyes. You do not need to gain someone else's respect. Exactly. And, you know, what you said there about, you know, people asking you questions about your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, if it's genuine curiosity, I think that's something that a, a lot of people, wh- whether it's a lot of people who are considered minorities, whether it's gender, sexuality, race, mm-hmm. etc., um feel like they have to represent an entire community and have all the answers and present really well all the time and that can be really draining like you just said but I think one of the things people um find some peace with is is distinguishing between genuine curiosity and like you said cheekiness or like less good intentions and then just not answering those like during the Black Lives Matter movement I decided for myself I was like I'm never gonna answer the question does racism exist in Ireland yeah because again it starts off on the battleground where you have to defend exactly yeah but of course it exists in Ireland and it's great. Yeah. What kind of question? Like if someone's asking that question, yeah, I wouldn't be going into the answer exactly. because how do you not know? Yeah. Um, and um, okay, so you, you answered how you deal with tra- how you deal with negativity online. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that the block button is your best friend because mm-hmm. I think so many people think that you can't block people yeah. or, you, you know, that it's not, okay. you kind of have to tolerate something yeah. and um, it's great to hear, especially because you are what's you, um, a superstar. Is that <laughs> what they could do? <laughs> <laughs> a TV superstar um, to take the words of the children um, and now my words for you um, that you know I, I imagine like I would think like oh it's so great that you, 
you even in your role are able to say like no I don't have to deal with that no matter what you know my role is um so kind of the last question I want to ask you is um for anyone listening who's experiencing racism right now or in on an ongoing basis um Mm -hmm. um in Ireland or wherever what is something you'd like them to know um something I'd like them to know for sure is like don't be afraid to report it because I think I, w- mm. I stayed quiet because I thought I was like I was like the default is just just accept it mm-hmm. and um when I ended up saying it on Twitter which I think in my head it was like oh but this is just what I go through mm. and, but no I tweeted it and there was like people started to like it and retweeted it I almost was like oh girl I want to take back that tweet but it was already out there right and then there was articles about it I was like <gasps> and then <laughs> For some reason, I was scared to say that this is happening when mm-hmm. actually I shouldn't have been because it wasn't my fault that people were saying things to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, even like I think in schools, kids are like, if I bring it up, then I'm just causing trouble. Like yeah. I'm making a thing of it. Yeah. And it's like, I think what I would say is make a thing of it because it's actually not right. Yes. You can't let someone else make you feel no, you can't let someone else victimize you. Yeah. Because you shouldn't be the victim of racism in the first place. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I think because the world that we live in kind of makes people feel like racism sh- is sometimes the default. Mm-hmm. Or not the default, but racism. Like part of the like, experience. You know, racism just happens, you yeah. know? But it shouldn't just happen. And you shouldn't just sit back while someone says something to you or mm-hmm. makes you feel a certain way or whether it's indirect or direct because I think sometimes people are indirectly racist and it's like and it's like they're like oh but I'm just messing with you like no you can't mm-hmm. like and I think people are also scared of being called racist um, and it's like I think it's important to explain to people like what you just said is wrong mm. um, and if it's not being addressed or being taken on I think if you are experiencing racism call it out Mm. because I think in Ireland at the moment we're seeing that people are also willing to stand by you yes which is so important because I think that's the fear people have that if I say that something racist happens to me what if that I'm the person that's just causing up a scare but you know that's so I suppose to wrap up my point really what I'm trying to say is that if you feel like someone is making you uncomfortable and is saying something towards you or their actions are directly or indirectly about your race mm-hmm. call it out because you'd be quite surprised the amount of people who will stand by you mm-hmm. and sometimes you'll also be, su- also be surprised the amount of people by the same person who it's been done to because mm. they strengthen numbers yes you yeah. know because you might think you're the only one experiencing this but mm-hmm. you could be surprised and see that it's a thing with said person yes who may realize or not realize that their action is quite negative yes so i think it's so so important to say to say that this is happening and it's not right and when you say report it do you where do you mean to i mean like i'm not not like report the button on twitter (laughs) yeah yeah whatever because sometimes that so we've learned doesn't really go far Mm -hmm. but it's like you know I would even go as far as writing down that this is when this happened mm. and keeping a logbook. Mm-hmm. And I know that seems very, very serious, but I think it's very, very important because I think letting things slide, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, there's things that are mistakes, but letting things slide builds up because then that goes on to other people. So I think it's about if you don't feel comfortable saying, you know, to maybe I'm thinking about kids now to a teacher mm. or a principal. It's even just saying it to your parents, saying it to someone, yes. saying to your friend. Making a record it, of it. Yes, yeah. saying it to a friend, saying it to your partner so that 
someone else is there to share the burden because it's yeah. the thing to go and to be a witness of to it be a too. witness essentially and i think that's what's important because i think you'd be very very surprised that you can accept things and internalize them and internalize them whereas it takes other people to be like that doesn't that's Mm. not right you know so definitely talk to people about whatever thing is happening Mm -hmm. and then also make a logbook of it through your friends or just writing it down you know Mm -hmm. yeah um have you anything you'd like to say for us to wrap up with um i think whether you're black queer whoever you are essentially whatever walk of life you are on um, it's a very important time to take care of yourself mm. and to readjust what's important to you because I think it's so easy to get swept up in everything the everythingness of life and the everythingness of being in a global healthcare crisis or potential recession or you know there's so much happening but I think it's so so important to take care of yourself right now and I mean if it comes down to lighting a candle or binging a few Netflix shows on a Sunday or affording yourself a chippers I think the value of mental health in what everybody goes through is sometimes underestimated so at this time whoever you are whether you are living with family or living with roommates just take time to be by yourself and take care of yourself because even though we are all working from home or whatever capacity we're working from it's still easy to forget that our feelings matter too so just take care of yourself The creators of this podcast are Dublin Lesbian Lines, Laura Louise Condell and Katrina Murphy, and we would like to thank Zainab for speaking to us for this episode. Dublin Lesbian Line is a confidential support service for the LGBTQAI community, and you can find out more information about our services and events on our website. Dublin Lesbian Line is run by volunteers and relies on voluntary contributions, so we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can offer. Whether it's €2 or €100, it makes a big difference to a small organisation like ours. Thank you for listening and take care.